Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. All right, good morning. What a glorious day. Despite it's a little chilly out, the ice, it sparkles, the sun comes out, and when we come into God's house and we worship him and praise him with songs like it's a glorious day, it is. It really is. And I'm delighted to be here. I hope you all are too. Glad for uh, all that are in God's house this morning. And if you're visiting with us, welcome. And of course, all of you who may have stayed home and you're catching us through technology, great to have you. This morning, we're continuing to discuss some of uh, Jesus, Jesus's when statements, when you, and we began the year talking uh, about faith, and we're going to tie faith in today with uh, one of Jesus' when you statements, and remember that when is a time-related word, and it's most often not, not every single time, but most often when we use that word when, it's a reference to something in the past or a future action. When you called me, meaning I received a call from you some time ago. Or uh, someone might say, when I call you, right? Meaning, hey, they, they should expect something from from me if I say, when I call you. It's a future-related statement. And Jesus used these time-related words even though he's eternal. He created time, and he stands outside of time, and he's able to see the end from the beginning, and of course, that's a mind-bending concept. We can't fully comprehend someone who can stand outside of time and see the beginning and the end, all simultaneously, but our God can. And he created this time that we experience here in the physical world, and our eternal God chose to step into time, which is an amazing thing. Another really hard-to-understand concept, something difficult to comprehend, but our eternal God became human, and he lived inside the boundaries of uh, the boundaries of physics and all the, the laws of physics. He, Jesus walked the earth. He was subject to gravity. And he felt physical pain. And he had human emotions. And he lived within the bounds of time. He put himself into these, these boundaries. And as he lived in time, the time came. The day came where Jesus was falsely accused. And he was tried as a criminal, even though he was innocent. And he committed no crime. He was convicted. And he received capital punishment. And then he was executed. Executed by nailing to a cross. And he hung until he died on the cross. Prior to that, Jesus spent about three and a half years teaching and preaching leading up to that day where he was arrested. And he taught much. 
He taught much. One of his topics was prayer. We discussed prayer last week. We touched on the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus did introduce this model prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And it's nice to be reminded of it. And we recited it this morning. He gave us that prototype prayer, an example for us when we pray to God to keep some of these, uh, some of these examples of God's name and being thankful and give us our daily bread and keep us from the evil one. He began that. Jesus began that by saying, our father, reminding us that we, we have a heavenly father. But before he gave that model prayer, remember he presented some instruction, which we focused on last week. And he said, when you pray, when you pray, and he was talking to a large crowd of people, the Sermon on the Mount. And we can receive that. We can receive the application of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was talking to everyday people, a huge crowd of everyday people, just like us. We're everyday people. And what he said, we can apply in our lives. And he said, when you pray, he didn't, he didn't say if. Jesus didn't say, if you pray, giving you the option, giving you the out. He said, when, and that's an implied command. It's a presumption. You will pray. There will be a future event involving you going to, going to God in prayer. When you pray, and he gave some instruction, don't be like the hypocrites who just want to be seen, they've already got their reward. They have their reward, the adoration, the admiration of others. Don't be like the pagans who babble and they're not really praying with a sincere and humble heart. And that was Jesus' real message there. Pray with a sincere heart. When you come to God, come with a humble heart. And this morning, I want to continue on this theme of prayer and take our attention to another instance of Jesus speaking about when you pray. But unlike the Sermon on the Mount, which was early in Jesus' ministry, Matthew chapter five, you, you read through the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is baptized, he enters into his ministry, and soon after he's giving this sermon on the side of a mountain or a teaching, which has been come to be called the Sermon on the Mount, to this large group of people that were following him. But today, we're gonna consider an event late in Jesus' life, just a few days before that false accusation and arrest. He had come to the city of Jerusalem, that was the capital of the nation of Israel, even though they were under the thumb of Rome and Rome was occupying and Rome was truly the, uh, the power, there was still some level of independence that the Jews could enjoy and they could still operate and uh, function in their religion so they would continue to honor God with the feasts that were part of the Jewish religion 
And Jesus was there in Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover feast. And what would happen that this was the last week of his life, he'd come into Jerusalem, the big triumphal entry, and he would spend a day in the, in the city teaching in the temple. And then he'd come out and he'd spend the night in the city of Bethany, which was just about a couple mile walk from Jerusalem. Really close. And he would sleep there. And you know, we know he had friends there, Martha and Mary. That was where Lazarus was. Now, we don't know for sure if that's where he stayed, but he stayed in Bethany. He'd come back to Jerusalem, teach for the day, then go back to Bethany. So one day, one, one of these days during that week, he's walking from Bethany to Jerusalem. And Jesus was hungry. I want to read to you from Mark's gospel. It's Mark chapter 11. And read to you verses 12 through 14. And if you have your Bibles, Put your finger there in Mark 11. We're going to read pretty much the rest of that chapter beginning in verse 11. And also you could maybe put, a, put your thumb in Romans chapter 8. We'll touch on that too. So Mark 11, Jesus coming into Bethany or coming into Jerusalem from Bethany. It says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig, a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. I'll stop there. That's a, it's really kind of a strange strange account and what in the world does it have to do with prayer what's that all about what's it got to do with faith and prayer I'll get to that definitely going to get to that but Jesus in this kind of weird interaction with a fig tree begins sort of a living parable there's going to be something that's going to come out of this instance And it's going to have something to do with prayer and with faith. But first, what is this strange encounter with a fig tree all about? Jesus saw this tree, right? He saw that it was full of leaves. So he went to it, but he found no fruit. And then he cursed the tree. Let no one eat fruit from you again. But here's the question. Why would Jesus make his way to this tree? It's, it's springtime. It's Passover. We know that. It's the spring. Why would he go to this tree knowing full well it wasn't the season for figs? And Mark in his gospel actually recorded that for us. He makes the point. It was not the season for figs. Well, this is odd. What? What's going on? It's sort of strange. But not really. Not really. If you know about fig trees, many types of fig trees will produce two crops. They will have a spring crop and a summer crop. 
in the spring crop is really interesting. It's called the Breba crop. The Breba crop, which is distinguished from the main crop of figs. And Breba, it means twice bearing. The root word is the same word. We get words like bifurcation, which just means a split or two. This Breba crop, it, it means twice bearing. And the early Breba figs, they sprout from the old wood. They sprout from last year's branch. In the springtime, the, the fig tree will begin to sprout new branches. New green shoots will begin to appear. And ultimately, through the spring, those new green growth, will, they'll begin to bud and new figs will form and they'll get ripe sometime late in summer. But beneath that new growth, on the old growth, on the mature branch from last year, from last season, on that mature branch, instead of a, a green shoot of a new branch coming out, it'll just sprout a fig. And that Breba fig from that old growth, they'll ripen up in the springtime. And this is what Jesus was likely looking for. He saw all those leaves and fig trees will get, they'll get green with these huge leaves and you kind of got to, you got to swim through the leaves to, to see those, those springtime figs. And Jesus was likely looking for springtime fruit on a mature branch, lower on the tree, easier to grab, easier to pick. And like I said, there's lots of the species of fig trees that will have these brave a crop. But there was no fruit. There was no fruit on the mature branches. There was no fruit on the old growth. And Jesus cursed the tree. And onward he went into Jerusalem. Let's continue. Mark eleven fifteen. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. So there were merchants at the temple. Merchants, money changers. And they were there because it was the feast of the Passover and if you read Acts chapter 2, you know that Jews from every nation under heaven made pilgrimage to Jerusalem for this time of year. The city's swarming with people. And they go to the temple to make sacrifice. So there's merchants there, 
selling birds and uh, selling sacrifices, exchanging money from all over the Roman Empire. And Jesus, he disrupts that. Because sacrifice had become ritual. Sacrifice was no longer a matter of the heart for so many people. It had become right. It had become rote. And Jesus was not happy. So he, he, he disrupted all this commerce. He overturns tables and chairs. Knocks all the money down. And then he begins to teach. And what is his subject? His subject is prayer. My father's house is a house of prayer for all nations. You've made it into a den of thieves. And after that teaching, we read, he went out of the city. Back to Bethany he goes to spend the night. Now we pick up the account. Mark 11, verse 20. Now in the morning, as they passed by, coming from Bethany again, back to Jerusalem, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, Peter, on the way into Jerusalem now, sees the fig tree. Sees this fig tree that Jesus had cursed. Now it's withered, and it's dried up from the roots. And he's stunned, he's surprised. Jesus, look, the tree, it's wasted away. Peter seems so surprised that what Jesus said has come to pass. Then Jesus takes the opportunity to teach. And what's he teaching on? Prayer. Prayer's the theme of this passage from the time Jesus first went to the tree. And what might the message be about prayer from this sort of living parable that's begun to unfold here about the fig tree. What might the message be? You who are mature, where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Where's your fruit of prayer? Where's your fruit of faith? When you were new and you were green and you were flourishing in the Lord, you produced the fruit of prayer. You sought the Lord. Your faith was strong. But that season, well, that season has passed. That season has passed and you went through a cold winter. And the freshness and the newness, well, it, it hardened up. You know, the bark around you got, got a little harder. It wasn't as tender and green. It grew tougher, it grew harder, it darkened up. 
the green faded away. Yet Jesus has come looking for fruit, not the fruit of the new, but the fruit of the mature, the fruit on the old wood. He's looking for the fruit on the old growth. He's looking for the fruit, the fruit of prayer. And Jesus says, my father's house is a house of prayer, a house of prayer for all. Has prayer become rote? Has prayer become ritual? Has prayer become a rite to you? You used to pray when you were new in the faith. Your faith was strong. You trusted Jesus without question. You prayed at home, you prayed in the car, you prayed at school, you prayed at work. You were seeking him, you were trusting him, you were on fire. But now, ah, life, life's gone on. Things, things aren't so new anymore. The things of Jesus aren't so new anymore. Christianity's getting a bit stale. It's getting a bit routine. Is it only on Sundays? Is it only in the Lord's house? You might say, in Jesus' name, amen. Because it's a corporate prayer, a congregational prayer. Jesus has come looking for fruit. He's come looking for the fruit of prayer. And he says, where is your faith? When you pray, believe. It seems Peter was shocked. He was shocked to see the withered tree. Well, that's interesting. Where was his faith? An incident came to my mind after reading this. You, most of you, would be aware of it because I've talked about it very recently. We had here for a year and a half Hope Christian Church, an Arabic-speaking fellowship that shared our space, used our auditorium, had their church every single Sunday, special times. And one day, Pastor Avdal came to me recently. And I've told you, we prayed but I don't know if I shared every detail with you. That day that we talked and prayed, Pastor Avdal was, he was down. He was weary. And he had said, it's getting difficult. We come here every single Sunday. We use the auditorium. We're so grateful. And they were so grateful to be here. But he said, we have to set up and we have to take down. We have a school that uses that auditorium Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays. It's a shared space. Told me about his brother-in-law. And many of the people in his church, they're refugees. They come from other countries. They don't have uh, English down very well. They might be educated, but it's tough for them to find a really solid job here. His brother-in-law worked at a gas station, worked double shifts on Saturday. He said, Pat, he's, he's working. He's working sometimes 12, 
18 hours, and then he comes right here, and he helps us set up. He's exhausted. Many of our people are exhausted. We need a home. We need a place where we, we, we don't have to do that. And Hibba, Pastor Abdallah's wife was there. She said, I work three full-time jobs. I work, I have a job full-time. I take care of my house and my kids and my husband. It's a full-time job. She says, I've got this church. We come here, we set up, we tear down. It's another full-time job. They were getting weary. So I said, Pastor, let's pray, of, of course. And we prayed. And I'll, the, the earth didn't shake. The room didn't vibrate. We just prayed. And the Lord, Pastor, is, he, he desires a place to call home. We prayed and he left. And a couple of months passed. But it wasn't that long till I got that call where he told me. He said, Pastor Pat, I received a call out of the blue from a man just down the street over here at Dodge Park in 16 Mile. He has a church. And you know the story because I've shared it. They received a full church building to use 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days out of the year, with one exception, one hour a week on Sundays from nine to 10. Otherwise, that space is theirs. They can set up, leave it. They don't have to tear down. They have full kitchen, rooms for their kids, everything. They have a, a beautiful outside uh, area with a park right adjacent. That's a full-blown full church. And I'm clicking my heels. I'm like, wow, wow. Who would have expected that? You know what? I kind of was like Peter looking at that tree. Where was my faith? Why didn't I believe that the day we prayed? Why did it take God to do that huge miracle for me to be jumping around and dancing about it. Now, why wasn't it the day we prayed? Just like Peter, standing and looking at that withered tree, going, Jesus, look at that tree. Oh my, well, Jesus had said it. Why not expect it right then? When you pray, believe. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And you know, I know this line of scripture is often abused. And I've got one example of hundreds, many. This was from an online uh, article. It says, the Bible says, whenever we desire, whenever we have wants, when we pray, as long as we believe, we will get it. No ifs, ands, or buts. So whatever it is that you may be desiring, a new car, a new house, some more money, etc., whatever it is, believe that you have received it, and you will have it. That's pretty common. And is that what it is? Is that what prayer is? Is prayer this formula? Pray, believe, receive. And the mountain, the mountain that Jesus talked about, well, that mountain is that you don't have enough cars. 
you have two cars, but you want three. And your house only has a two-car garage, so you need a three-car garage, right? So follow the formula and get that mountain of a two-car garage behind you because you desire three cars. Use the formula. Pray, believe, receive. Ask for that house. Ask for the cars. Believe that you receive it and you'll have it. Is that really what the words of Jesus through this account are all about? Or does it it have to do with that prayer might have become routine? Are we just isolating one little line of scripture? Or is there more to it? Is, Is Jesus talking about a faith that's been allowed to grow a little cold? That, that there's an absence of fruit on the old growth. The fruit of prayer has been absent so long, you might be stunned by a miracle of Jesus. Hey, look at the tree. You see that? It's a miracle. Where's your faith? And that seems to be the context here, the picture presented through this account. So Jesus encouraged his disciples, pray, and when you pray, believe. And, and you might be saying, well, well, I've done that. Nothing really happened. Well, yeah, I've talked to God. I've talked to God and I've waited and waited and agonized over things. And the situation went from bad to worse. And the storm in my life intensified. And God, where are you? Silence, silence. And you've heard it so many times. Pray, believe, receive, just claim it. Just claim it. And yeah, you've claimed it. And nothing. Why bother? Why bother? It seems God isn't even interested. He isn't even listening. Pray, believe, receive. Doesn't work. And you know what? You're right. You're right. If this is the only line of scripture in the Bible about prayer, but we can't hang our hat on it because it isn't the only line in scripture about prayer. So we can't take it without considering what God has to say in totality about prayer. This isn't the only Scripture, you can't just pull out, pray, believe, receive. Last week, we talked about an attitude in prayer. Well, that's part of it, the attitude of the heart. Jesus said, pray pray differently than the hypocrites or the pagans. Don't pray like them. And he gave us the model prayer. And then Jesus also modeled prayer for us. He became a living model You read John chapter 17, and I encourage you, just write the note, go read John 17. That truly is the Lord's prayer. And it's an excellent example of prayer. It's Jesus interceding. It's a prayer of intercession for his followers and his future followers, including us. And after Jesus prayed that beautiful prayer of intercession, he went on to a garden called Gethsemane. And he prayed there. 
And I give you a verse from Mark 14, verse 36. And Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. I think we heard that a little earlier this morning. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. There's a prayer. There's a prayer. There's a desire. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Now we learned the last couple of weeks about Abba. Abba's a declaration. I am a legitimate child. When that word Abba is used, and for Jesus, there's a declaration. I'm a legitimate son, the legitimate son of God, and I have a right to say Abba. And Abba, Abba Father, for you all is possible. Take this cup away from me. I think I'd be praying that if I knew I was going to be crucified. I might, I might say this is, but I'd be exactly in line with Jesus on this case. I'll say sometimes I'm not, I may not be fully aligned with everything Jesus would do or say, but I think on this one, I'm pretty comfortable. Lord, I don't want to be crucified. Please take this cup away. Jesus was facing crucifixion and that's a storm far bigger than one I've ever encountered. It's far bigger than a storm I'll likely ever encounter. And we probably can all say that. Jesus prayed, and of course he believed. But what did he add? What did he add to his prayers about his desires? Not what I want. Not what I want, Abba Father. What do you want? What do you want? Would we really need prayer? Would we really need prayer if, if I prayed for a new house with a three-car garage and boom, it fell out of the sky? And I prayed for, I don't know, a new Bentley or something and boom, there it was in my garage. And I prayed for whatever and it just happened. And pray, believe, receive worked. And what does that make God what does that make God but, but a genie in the bottle? And, he, and he's granting all my wishes. And he, you know, in time, I wouldn't even need him anymore because I'll be, I'll be right where I need to, where, where I want to be. I have all, the, all my stuff, right? And I wouldn't even need God at all. Consider this little illustration. Just picture two, two fathers. They're each raising a son, each father loves his son. And both meet the needs of their sons. Both boys are fed, they're clothed. But one father, he lets his son feel a little pain from time to time. He lets him deal with issues with people and in school and, and with teachers when he gets in trouble. He, he's got to work too. That boy's got to work and do some chores. And sometimes he feels unloved. Sometimes he feels unwanted but his dad is always there for him. And the other father, he's there for his son too. If there's an issue at the school, boom, dad's there. If a neighborhood, a neighborhood troublemaker's doing something, dad steps in. No one messes with his boy. And whatever that boy wants, dad makes sure he gets it. 
Now, which son's gonna navigate life better? Which one's gonna make wise decisions? Which one's gonna have good relationships? The son who felt a little pain? The son who was tried by his father from time to time? Or is it gonna be the spoiled son who received everything he wanted when he asked for it? Our God is our father and he's a good father. And when it comes to our desires and prayer, we can go to him as children, legitimate children. And like Jesus, we can say, Abba. But are we also saying, Abba, Father? Not what I desire. You know better. What is it you'd have for me, Father? Now that's the prayer, that's the old wood prayer, that's the prayer of the mature, that's the old growth prayer, that's the old wood prayer. When you pray, pray the Father's desires, pray his will. When you pray, believe God's will and receive God's will. And that's echoed throughout scripture, that's echoed in many passages of scripture. Paul, the the great church planner. Paul, the apostle of the first century who led so many churches. He wrote to the church in Rome and he wrote of waiting on God, anticipating, not about things of this world. He, He wrote about anticipating what's to come in eternal glory in heaven. But we are in this world for a time. And Paul knew that, and he understood that, and he addressed it. In Romans chapter 8, after writing about the eternal things that we're anticipating, he wrote this, verses 25 to 28, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And that's his closing thought, that's his closing transitional line, his closing thought about waiting on eternal life. We can't see heaven but we hope for it and we wait for it, yet we're in this daily life. And then Paul writes more about daily life and prayer. Next line, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Hold on a second. I thought prayer was a formula. Pray your desires. Believe and receive. But Paul wrote wrote this. We don't even know what to pray for. God knows best. Abba knows. He went on, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And isn't that reminiscent of Jesus? Just like Jesus, when he prayed the will of God and and he prayed an intercessory prayer in John 17. He still intercedes. Jesus still intercedes, helping us by the power of the Holy Spirit to pray the will of God. Paul goes on, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And in that line of scripture, so many want to put a period after the word good, 
All things work together for good, period. But the line continues. All things work together for good, yes, to those who love God and are called according to, according to our desires. We're called according to our, our three-car garage desires. We're called according to our money desires. Is that it? We're called to receive anything we want. No, called according to his purpose, God's purpose, God's will. When you pray, bear that brave of fruit, bear the fruit of the mature, having gone through a season or two, ask for the spirit of the living God to lead you. Let us become more aware of his presence and desire that. Ask, ask that your desire be aligned with the will of God. And then believe, believe, have faith. Yes, count on God. Count on God for his best for you. Not your best for you. Count on God for his best for you. God's not your genie. He's not my genie. His duty is not to supply me with a lifetime of luxury. And give me all the things that I just want and desire. He knows and he desires the best for every one of us. And you know what? Like a good father, that might entail a little bit of pain from time to time. It might entail some discomfort. It might entail some humbling of our spirit. It might entail us learning a lesson or two. It might involve some waiting with perseverance. It might involve some struggle. It might involve some struggle. And we heard this morning, release the struggle. Even if you're waiting. A delay to our request, that doesn't mean denial. God may be working out something. Something that we need to learn along the way. And if you think God just said no, you think he said no, his reply to you is, no, that's never going to happen. It's a yes. That's a yes to God's best for you. Believe that. Believe that. When you pray, believe by faith that God is the best in mind for you. And I know you'll receive that from him. How many are struggling? Anybody struggling? You struggling with prayer? I mean, we can, let's pray before we leave. Stand up. And, 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 and if you want to come down here and pray, I'm going to give you this word, release the struggle. We heard this morning, release the struggle. Come on down and release that struggle. Release the struggle of praying God's will. Maybe you struggled that. I don't want God's will because it's going to hurt me and it's going to be some pain and he's going to teach me a lesson. Or he's going to embarrass me. You know, like, like I, I said, I'm a little embarrassed that I was so thrilled Pastor Avdal's prayer was answered so big. Where was my faith? I feel like Peter at the tree. It's withered. Well, that was Jesus' word. Let's release that struggle and just say, God, humble our hearts and help us to pray your will. struggle we're having to align our will with yours. God, 
We release it right now. Lord, we want your presence. We want your presence in our life. We want your presence to guide us. We want what you have, not what we have. God, help us to lay down ourselves and our attitudes and our lives before the throne of Jesus Christ and our struggles at the cross. Lord, help us to become sincere prayers who would look to you for what you'd have. God, we know you have the best. We know you have the best in mind, though it'd be painful sometimes. God, we release our desires. We release, we release our will to your will. We give up ourselves to you. We lose our life to gain you, God. Help us for Father. Help us in that. We give it to you, God. We give it to you. We, we ask this right now, Lord, for every single person, every single person who's come forward here, God, anyone in this house who's raising a hand to you with that sincere prayer right now, God, bless them. Bless them. Meet them, Lord. Help us to walk in your will. Help us, Lord. God, and help us as we've gone through a season to continue to bear fruit, to bear the fruit of faith, to bear the fruit of prayer. And when Jesus comes looking, God, may our fruit be ripe for him. Thank you, God. Thank you for this time together. Lord, I just pray over everyone here, your blessing to be upon them. Carry us, God. Carry us out of here. Carry us through the week. Guard us. Protect us. Keep us and bring us back to worship you again in Jesus' name. Amen.